Hey Anna, welcome to uh, Rotterdam. Beautiful Rotterdam. Yes, it's really, really beautiful. Yeah. We got the Maas, uh, <laughs> we got the Erasmusbrug and everything going on here. Willemsbrug, a beautiful <laughs> setting, a beautiful place here in uh, Blue City, Rotterdam. Good to have you. Um, let's dive into it. You have a broad scientific background that you've studied in places like Cambridge University and the Max Planck Institute. Your PhD is in marine ecology. How did you end up working with green roof plants and soil? It's kind of far away from the sea. Yeah, it, it is. Uh, and I'm actually very happy I'm far away from the sea. I'm terrified of water. I mean, it's just quite funny for a marine biologist. It is be, actually, yeah. yeah. But let's, let's talk about that another time. <laughs> um, so I am super, super happy that I found a place where I can actually combine finally the different things that I've studied because I was really like I was interested in so many things I couldn't decide so I did my first two degrees in in plant science and then I, I changed a little bit and then I ended up be doing my PhD in marine ecology with focus on nutrient cycles so now um, I was working with a little bit of this and a bit of that I had different projects and did a postdoc and so on and then finally I found green roofs which is like okay so they're plants there are nutrient cycles, uh, there's soil, there's water. Um, so basically everything that I had studied finally came together in like one place, which was kind of surprising for me and yeah. very, very happy about it. So. While saving the planet. Yeah, while way. saving the planet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, that's really <laughs> awesome, actually. Uh, at the moment, you consult for two companies, Green Roof Diagnostics and Purple Roof. As far as I have uh, understood, you do research for Green Roof Diagnostics. Uh, diagnostics, and you mentioned uh, something called a rain lab or a meso mesocosm. Yeah, it's, a, <laughs> it's difficult a, word. a difficult word for me. <laughs> um, well, so a rain lab. Can you explain what it is? How yeah, it works? so so we have we have a fantastic lab in Virginia, in Culpeper, in Virginia, the U.S., and which people can visit if they would like to. It's basically a lab where we simulate storms. Uh, rainstorms uh, on okay. different type of green roof profiles so that we can collect very, very much needed data for the green roof industry. Because for many, many years, this or for the entire existence of the green roof industry, there has been a distinct lack of actual scientific data. Mm -hmm. There has been some, but um, it's. I think it's very, very important that we fill in these gaps because I believe that this is a technology for the future for all our future cities. I think it's a critical technology to to use as climate adaptation. So we need data and we need, in order to change policy and in order to uh, encourage people to actually use this technology, we need to prove that it actually works. So this is what we do. And can I compare the rain lab to uh, in some way uh, what they use in car factories as well, uh, where they test out <laughs> the different elements on cars and wind tunnels yeah. and rain and everything? Yeah, no, in a way, I suppose, yeah. I never thought of it that way. And you sure. extract data out of it and that you mm. can use uh, when you go actually into the green roof business and building the green roofs on the buildings everywhere. Exactly. I mean, Green Roof Diagnostics is a separate entity. It's mm -hmm. an independent research uh, institution, basically, mm -hmm. so that we can produce independent data. You know, we sometimes we have gotten um, projects from, from, from different uh, stakeholders and, and companies that basically want certain profiles tested so we've performed those tests and and then also we have just tested uh, in important profiles and actually for example checking a few cr critical bits and bobs uh, that uh, has been uh, quite annoying question marks for us for, for a long time so yeah that's what Green Roof Diagnostics is doing and then Purple Roof uh, is the other company that I'm, I'm consulting for um, so is basically a non-proprietary recipe for uh, green roof based on data that we have extracted from green roof diagnostics. 
Anna, most people uh, don't pay a lot of attention to soil. Yeah, you know, know why should terrible. you? <laughs> uh, why do you think uh, they actually should pay attention to uh, what most people think of uh, as just dirt, especially uh, uh, when you relate it to green roofs? Well, it's such an important compartment uh, that has been neglected for so many years for historical reasons, I think, because uh, very few biologists have been involved in developing green roofs. It's been like an engineer's game. And they've done some amazing things, these engineers, so I'm mm -hmm. absolutely not putting down anyone. Um, it's just, uh, I think that we have huge opportunities ahead if we pay a little bit more attention to this life-giving layer, because uh, it's basically where the nutrients to the plants um, basically are located mm -hmm. uh, we should be located and uh, they should not run off they should stay in the soil or stay in the plants and uh, we need to get the correct moisture levels and and such and forth and and the the soil microbiota the different uh, the the soil biodiversity is super super critical and it's, I'm not saying that for some sort of tree hugger reason it's basically in order to <laughs> I'm a tree hugger too but <laughs> that's, that's a different topic um, we need uh, to make sure that these nutrients are um, basically spread out across several different compartments in the soil. And the more compartments, the better. When I say compartments, I mean like different types of uh, living entities, like uh, different types of bacteria, different types of nematodes and you know whatnot that's in the soil. Because um, if we do that, we are able to keep the nutrients in the soil and you have a recycling of, of the system. So mm -hmm. you basically create a a sustainable ecosystem within the soil. So if you just have a dead soil with nothing living in it, you put on nutrients, the plants take up some of the nutrients, the rest washes out. And that is, to me, not a sustainable system, and I, I, it's not even financially sustainable. Is there still Sorry, a lot of knowledge to gain in the, in, in, the soil, uh, in the soil game? Yeah, there's a lot of things that we need to find out. There's like, I have a thousand questions about green oh, yeah, roof yeah, soil that yeah. I really, really want to find out about. Um, so, um, Can you give one example? Um, well, there, there's there's a lot of things about like nutrient capture and then also about inoc inoculations. Uh, I mean, because it's just pouring on like some sort of industrial grade uh, inoculations that are used on on uh, some uh, soy plant. Um, th the likelihood that that's going to work on on a green roof on the green roof plant, like a, a different types of seedum plants, is very very low because this very very specific relationship between mm -hmm. that specific organism and the plant. So uh, we need to find out like what what organisms are they, uh, and, and that would be amazing if we could have a collaboration with universities to find out what what is it that is actually uh, working together with these kind of uh, sedum plants or what are other types of green roof plants that we use. Because I think that if we find that out, you know, we could we could really improve uh, the roof uh, significantly. So please react to this uh, video <laughs> cast if you're uh, listening and uh, looking right now uh, because you guys need to interact about this topic. Yeah, absolutely, I can imagine. Absolutely, hey, you yeah. told me before uh, this interview that most green roofs currently are uh, one size fits all, meaning that the roofs are the same no matter what climate uh, you're in. Why is that a problem? Well, it is a problem uh, if you use the same type of roof, the same type of soil and the same type of setup. Uh, if it's very rainy and hot or if it's very dry and cold, two different climates like uh, i don't know singapore versus arizona mm -hmm. something okay it might not be so cold in arizona i don't actually know <laughs> but um it's it's you need to check to make sure that uh, you understand the precipitation patterns the rain patterns in your area 
Mm-hmm. So when you need to tweak your setup to actually match that, because if you don't do that, you're going to have maybe expensive irrigation ahead of you or a dead roof, <laughs> which is both uh, not very something that I, I would wish on people. Um, but with a well-designed roof, um, you can basically circumvent that and make sure that uh, you have low maintenance and um, a healthy roof, basically. And this is the problem you guys are tackling with the, the rain lab, I can imagine. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So we actually, through Purple Roof, we, uh, my colleague Brad Garner has built a modeler, a retention modeler. And in this modeler, you can basically pick your city. Uh, if your city is not on the modeler, it's live now. So uh, if your city is not on the modeler, just contact us and, and we'll put it up. Basically, we'll put Rotterdam up as well. Uh, yes, I think it's in the modeler already. Okay, <laughs> I think so. I hope so. Uh, so basically, you can uh, look at, you can find your best setup for a green roof for your specific climate um, by just some toggling some plus and minus for soil and and for for mineral wool if you use that and maybe adding a detention layer and such. So you can just play around with it and then uh, you basically uh, based on science based on data uh, you will see uh, what's the best way to actually construct your roof. You've worked quite a bit with nutrient cycles such as nitrogen in lakes and marine systems Anna uh, during your PhD and after. I've uh, recently uh, read that there have been some concerns actually about green roofs leaking nutrients um yeah to start off is that true and if so what can be done about it well um yes and no uh to leaking nutrients because some research papers that i've read uh say that they might leak leak some nitrogen for example whereas other papers say that they uh, do not leak more nitrogen, like, for example, a, okay. uh, a black roof. That's just a normal. Yeah, it, it is confusing. So we definitely need more data. Um, but I think also it depends on your plant cover. So some of these papers is very hard to determine if there was proper plant cover when they were actually taking the 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 measurements. So if you have a like very low plant cover, if you if you've looked put plugs and they're very like far away from each other, you have a lot of exposed soils. Mm-hmm. Um, there has been some indications that it could be worse nutrient runoff. And also the fact is that if you take your measurements during the first few weeks or months or even the first year of the life of the green roof, you will have significantly higher uh, nutrient runoff than you will have during the entire rest of the lifespan. Because of the, the system is new. Because the system is new and there's a lot of nutrients in there and the as I said, you know, so microbiota hasn't really had the time to fully develop and, mm-hmm. and so on. So the data that I have seen uh, when we've taken nutrient, or not we, like there was a company that uh, we worked with, they take from, from real roofs, so basically taking nutrient uh, concentrations in the runoff and, and the new, uh, when the roof was newly installed, and then mm-hmm. they did it yearly. And you could see like after the first, uh, the first year, it really dropped off. And then he was just really down at very, very low levels. And also the fact is, we n- you should never forget that a lot of these papers, they, they talk about nutrient concentrations and the runoff, but we also need to check to, to look at loads, nutrient loads, mm-hmm. because green roofs, uh, through retention, they basically can reduce the volume, the annual volume of water by about 50%. Yeah, so that never, yeah. never becomes runoff. Yeah. So it basically shaves off about 50%. Just That's your win retention. right there. That is, that is one of the wins of, of a green roof. Um, it's not the reason why there's stormwater management tools like from, from, a, from a project perspective, no, no, obviously but from not. a city perspective. Yeah. So, so basically, uh, even though you might have higher runoff 
uh, concentrations, in, in nutrient concentrations, when the total run, amount of runoff is reduced that much, you actually might end up with a lower load. And, and we need to look a little bit more, more at that, I think. A lot of research to be done as yes. well and interpretation of the research <laughs> as well. Absolutely. And let's go into the green roof uh, because mm. there's no, not only water and plants, but there's also little animals, bees. Mm. And uh, mm-hmm. the bees are frequently in the news at the moment showing uh, depressingly declining numbers. Biodiversity is currently a really uh, prominent topic, particularly here in uh, Europe. As an ecologist, Anna, what uh, do you think the role of green roofs is in uh, increasing urban biodiversity? Well, I think they can have a major role in actually increasing uh, urban biodiversity because if you look at a city, have you ever seen a, like an aerial view of, of New York City or, or Chicago? Yes. Or, yeah. yes. It's, it's pretty much just uh, bare rooftops everywhere. Yeah. So if we can create some small refuges where uh, these uh, little important animals can actually live and 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 function, <laughs> then I think we have a lot, uh, we've gained a lot, I think. Why is that important? Why do we need bees in the cities? Yeah, it's w- a good w- point. Why care? <laughs> yeah. Well, um, we see very, very st- strong uh, declining bee numbers, and uh, for, for just the sake of of that, I think it's very important to support this even in the urban areas. Uh, and also, is a- any ecological system is more stable when you have more diversity in it. So uh, urban systems are also ecological systems. So I think that is very important to, to keep uh, that thinking as well, that we need, uh, we, sh- we should look at uh, biodiversity in, in that sense as well. Um, and I would like to add one thing, and that's the fact that uh, people need to see more nature. And uh, I think 60% of the world's population, I might be slightly off on that number, lives in urban areas or mm-hmm. will soon live in urban areas. So why not see a bee on a green roof? Why not see a bee on a green roof? Yeah. It literally has been shown <laughs> yeah. to sort of like uh, increase uh, people's uh, well well-being and, and psychological wellness as well. So... Let's get into to, uh, to some uh, tech specs, uh, for me, uh, that is, tech specs. Uh, how do you see the role <laughs> of green infrastructure in the future city? And this uh, comes all down to retention versus detention and okay. the com- combination of the it both. That's a good question. Um, so um, we'd like to talk about retention and detention. Now, retention, I mentioned already, is basically the water that never leaves the roof. It becomes... Uh, water vapor, it just disappears into the sky. Rain falls on the green <laughs> exactly. roof and then it, uh, it evaporates, evaporates yeah. again. Now, so that really works well if you have a roof that is kind of dry. It soaks up loads of water and, and, and such. But what happens when the roof is full? Mm-hmm. So if you have a storm that is very big or if you have like, and this is more of a problem actually, if you have a storm that's a rainstorm that's coming several days in a row, then... The sponge is full. It's like a bath sponge. You know, yeah. you fill up a sponge, yep. it's full. It's like if you continue pouring water on the sponge, it would just run off. So by the tension, we're dealing with the water that is running off. So um, sewage system can become completely overfilled um, when you have a too intense storm. When it's yeah. coming too much water in too little time. Happens a lot in Washington, D.C., right? Yeah, yes. It's like it's been a lot of flooding lately. And then the city where I, I call my home is in Berlin. Uh, we've had a lot of floods as well this year. So it's, it's a very severe problem. So in order to prevent these floods, we basically need to reduce the pressure on the sewage system. Mm-hmm. By holding up the water a little bit By longer. By holding the water on the roof just a tiny bit longer, like... It can be uh, half an hour or hours. And then it slowly, slowly releases mm-hmm. into the into the sewage system. And by then, the peak of the storm is already 
past. So storm storm shapes um, intensities are quite predictable in many ways. So so you can you can model that. So then you have retention and detention. Mm -hmm. Are there different types of detention green roof systems? Yeah, th there are. There there are different roofs, different systems that basically uh, work for different types of roofs. So uh, I I am never gonna sit here and saying like you know this solution is the best solution for everything, and because that that is a load of horse. Hmm. Uh, you need to be able to offer people different ways of managing their, their stormwater. Mm -hmm. And for example, uh, in an urban area, in a future city that I see as my sort of, um, would be fantastic. Utopia. Utopia, um, which I think actually can happen. Uh, I'm convinced it's going to happen. Uh, we'll see uh, a lot of uh, blue-green roofs, uh, for example, the, the type of, Polderdag from Metropolder is a company here in the Netherlands that uh, creates really smart uh, blue-green roofs that holds a lot of water on the roof. Now that is super great if you have a flat roof and it can bear the, the weight of the water. So now um, purple roof is more suitable for um, if you have a sloped roof and mm -hmm. it's much more cheaper to, in to install. So, so there's a... Two different solutions There's that options. you can have, exactly. Yeah. But the best thing is that uh, we're creating a return on investment through a um, blue-green or purple solution. So basically means in New York City, like take that as an example, they often have tanks underneath the houses, tanks that deals basically with the, with the stormwater. Yeah. So um, those are critical for the city. Without these tanks, there would be floods all the time, right? And um, by managing the stormwater through detention, not retention, detention, because that works every time, every storm, they can get rid of or like reduce their tanks a little bit, uh, which means that they then can, you know, use that valuable space because it's kind of valuable to have land in, in New York City, you exactly, know, just like yeah, two parking yeah, spaces yeah. can, you know, bringing enough money to pay for the roof and you know, I don't know if it's a year or two years, but it's, it's like it goes very, very fast. So this basically creates incentives that are beyond just policy. So it basically, the, the single person can see that there's an economic incentive to actually install a green roof, and then the city will reap the benefit with reduced hydrogen effects, increased biodiversity, and you know, better, better life quality. You're, you're already describing a utopia, yes. um, <laughs> which actually leads us to uh, my final question. Uh, if you could wish for one thing for our future world, what would it be, Anna? I wish for many, many things, uh, mainly for the sake of my, my daughter. Um, but I would really wish for, um, when it comes to climate adaptation measures, um, that people became much more aware of our water cycle. Because in the end, uh, most of our climate-related problems will be related to, to water. Water scarcity, too much water. Like, um, floods, um, droughts, uh, etc. So I think that we need to start seeing water as a resource. Um, and uh, it would be fantastic if we could green our cities in, in, the, in the same push, basically, to, to use and reuse uh, that water that's coming down our cities and, and basically creating a green lung in, in, in that area. That, that, would be, that would be nice. Great. Yeah. <laughs> the tree hugger came out in the end anyway. Very so good, very good. <laughs> hey, Anna, thank you very much uh, for your time. Thank you. And for all your information. It was thank great you. to have you. Yeah, it was great to be here.